When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night here on Behind the Steel Curtain Radio. It's Wednesday night. It's time again for the Curtain Call podcast. I'm Jeffrey Benedict here with me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing all right this evening, GB. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You you sound a little little under the weather. Yes, uh... a little bit. Yes. All right. So we'll we'll get (laughs) we'll get a little bit more of a subdued Shannon tonight. (laughs) Hopefully, not get him too riled up. But tonight, tonight we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. Tonight we're digging into the coaching staff. This first half of the show, we're going to try and focus on the defense. You want to hear about the offense? Stick around for uh, later. We'll be we'll be talking about them too. One thing I I, I found interesting, Shannon, looking through the the defensive uh, coaches, is beyond Terrell Austin, they have five position coaches listed. Five guys with a position that they coach listed next to them. Three of them are linebackers. You have Carl Dunbar on defensive line, Grady Brown in the secondary. You have Brian Flores, who is listed as a linebackers coach, Jerry Olsovsky listed as an inside linebackers coach, and Denzel Martin listed as an outside linebacker assistant coach. Now, Shannon, is is, uh, is TJ Watt that hard to keep up with that they need three coaches to coach the Steelers? linebackers what's going on there actually as we was talking before the show it's crazy how small the the coaching staff is for the Steelers compared to 
you know, if you look at all these other teams, they've got an assistant to the assistant and, and, you know, um, watching, the you know, that, they got the guy that hits play. Yeah, on the button in the film exactly. room, and they got another guy here that pauses it. Like I, I know it's like huge. You got assistants and interns everywhere. You look at the the like on Hard Knocks. I always like to kind of see how other organizations are behind the scenes, because we don't we've never got to see the Steelers, and I know they don't want to be on Hard Knocks. But you know, just the teams we've witnessed, there's been a lot of variety there. Uh, like the Detroit Lions, they had a a, a good sized coaching staff. But the Cowboys mm-hmm. was bigger than theirs. I mean, their team picture, they had a team picture just for the coaches. Yep. So, you know, like I said, the Steelers didn't be like, you know, you could take it with your cell phone. So it's be a uh, backyard barbecue. Exactly. It's totally different. But um, I think it's obvious. We we all thought Brian Flores would be the pass rush coordinator, you yeah. know, which I think that, that he did a good job when he had Watt, you know, where, you know, they have to have him. He's, he's that critical for that pass rush, but um, you know, he didn't, he didn't blitz as much as I thought he didn't do some of the zero coverages and stuff of that nature that he likes to do, but I don't think he felt comfortable with the secondary to hold up in a lot of those situations. Yeah. Um, but we see the variety as the season went on and, um, and, you know, we love Jerry O. Osowski just a, he was just a, a you know, tough as nails uh, glue guy like Robert Spillane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he had that, he was a quality backup. You could count on him. And, and I think that he really connects with guys like Spillane and Mark Robinson. So I'm really glad that they have him, you know, uh, to not only coach him, but to provide that insight and that experience that he had as a guy who was, you know, not prototypical size, speed, you know, strength. So um, I've been happy with the Steelers uh, defensive coaches, uh, you know, pretty much, because uh, as we've said, you know, Tomlin's really kind of the head defensive coordinator, if we're being yeah. honest. <laughs> well, yeah, like you can, you if you want to, you can kind of break it down. Like Brian Flores, front seven pass rush type of coordinator, uh, Terrell Austin, coverage coordinator, Mike Tomlin, defensive like guy, yeah. like yeah. he's the guy, you know. But he always talks about it. They're in the room. Everyone gets a say. Mm-hmm. He wants to work with everyone. He wants to understand, hey, what do you think this group is capable? How would they play best to their strengths? And then we're going to work it together and try and come up with the plan that is the best for the whole defense. That's everyone involved. That's everyone involved. And I, I think uh, I think Mike Tomlin, much more than a defensive coordinator, is, is, is the, the overarching philosophy guy, whereas like Terrell Austin might be designing the schemes, uh, designing that, you know, like, but, and, and, and in that regard, you know, if you're hearing from Brian Flores and Terrell Austin, maybe, maybe Tomlin is the right person to call the defense. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, I find the defense very interesting how the Steelers do it as kind of a group almost effort uh, with, with a very small number of guys and everyone's hand is in the, in the pile. I think it works for I think that the, I would like to see them be a little more scheme dependent and less superstar dependent. Um, you know, because the, those injuries can happen. Yeah. Uh, it's inevitable, you know, especially on defense. And we, you know, we've seen it when Hayward's out for any, you know, the defense aid is good. 
uh, when if say it's Highsmith, say Fitzpatrick, but you know with Watts out, it's you know they've won what one game ever when he's not played the you yep. know at least seventy percent or whatever. Um, I, I'd like to see them get to where, but they need more depth. Obviously, if they have better yeah. quality depth and and a stronger secondary, I think that they can do that because we know that Tomlin is a good defensive coach. We know Flores, what he can do. Um, you know, I know that they can, if they have the horses, they can make this run. But they've they've been top-heavy on both sides of the ball for a while. Uh, either they're good on offense yeah. and they're not as good on defense or vice versa. But they've also been, like, we got three or four stars, and then, you know, we got some areas that ain't quite up to snuff. And if you watch these, the, the teams that's in the Super Bowl, uh, especially the Eagles, I mean, they do not have a weak spot. I mean, they are solid across the board, and they go too deep everywhere. Yeah. And that's just that's just really, really impressive. Now they also have Hertz on a on his rookie deal. And you know, and then he's turning into being he's not that upper echelon elite quarterback yet, but he's right there. I mean, he's in a you know in the MVP running. Yeah. So he's had an incredible season. And so, you know, it's all coming together for them. And uh, but that's the model I'd like to see the Steelers look at. And uh the coaches matter. I mean, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why, you know, we just seen what the uh, Denver Broncos did and give up to get Sean Payton. You know, they're tired of messing around. They ain't playing around anymore. Uh, yeah. They realized to make that whole Russell Wilson investment worth it, they got to get a coach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because uh, the Denver situation, it's going to be great to watch because Russell Wilson never had a real offensive guru type of coach. Mm-hmm. Never had that guy, and now he's oh, yeah. going to. It's going to be very interesting to see. That's a lot is going to be riding on that connection between Peyton and Russell. <clears throat> It'll be Russell Wilson. It'll be really interesting to see how that works out. Oh, again, we had a comment uh, from Jennifer in our live chat here. I loved how Kenny Pickett said he learned a lot from Flores. Uh, there was an article Kenny Pickett was talking about how he would pick Brian Flores is brain about what the defense is doing and what they're trying to do and, and all that stuff. Very, it's, it's very interesting to me. Like, like they go straight across the board. And I love the idea that Kenny Pickett would go, you know, to the defensive coaches and be like, look, mm-hmm. what are they doing here? And you've got a guy who really gets, you know, how pressure works, how defensive works with pressure uh, at the level Brian Flores has shown he gets uh, that you, that's, that's really valuable. Uh, I wanted to put that up there. Talking well, about, okay, the, you know, one thing that a really good defensive coordinator, uh, like a Brian Flores does, is they create mass confusion. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really simple. I mean, it looks really intricate and everybody has to do their jobs. And, you know, there's 11 moving pieces. and But it really comes down to causing confusion. And if you can cause confusion for the offense, especially the quarterback, for a couple of seconds, you know, your pass rush usually will get there, you know, yeah. if you've got that that talent and that quality. So, uh, to me, that shows that Pickett, a level of maturity you usually don't see in a rookie quarterback. I, I mean, there's some benefits to him being 24 and that he's more of an adult and he's like, hey, I, I want to learn what his team's trying to do to me and I can go to a guy who's renowned for creating mass confusion for quarterbacks. 
to me that that's brilliant. I mean, that's just uh, why would you not? Why yeah. would you not take advantage of having that guy on staff? Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a big question on the defense. Is Brian Flores going to be on this staff next year? I, I've said for a bit here. I kind of think he is. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into like conspiracy theories or, or build mm-hmm. too much on this. But businesses are cautious. They always are. They're always cautious. And you've got a guy who went against ownership. And owners are going to be really cautious before stepping in and hiring a guy who turned on his ownership. Because, okay, Miami, they may have terrible ownership, but that ownership is still there. And they're not the only <laughs> lousy ownership in the NFL. The NFL is a lot of teams that are not run well, a whole lot of them. And a lot of the teams that are looking for coaches all the time, they're not the ones who are run well. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of owners shy away from him. I I, I really – I put the odds earlier at like 40% he'd come back. He'd end up back just because people are going to want to hire someone else. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that higher now. I'm thinking probably 50% odds. I think it's 50-50 odds that Brian Flores is here next year. And every day he's here and every coaching staff position that gets filled – is one step forward closer to Brian Flores being a Pittsburgh Steeler next season. What do you think about that, Shannon? Do you think uh, I'm thinking 50 50? You think about that now? Yeah, I think about 50 50 is probably right. I, and how, you know, okay. anytime you get a, a stigma, you know, mm-hmm. attached to your name, uh, you know, if what he said, you know, without going into everything is true and, and you know, it, it makes sense then, you know, people, that's not how the NFL wants to conduct business. Yep. And so, but the fact that he did say something about it, then it, it's going to take people to, a little while to forget. And then the more success he has in Pittsburgh, which hopefully he comes back, because if he's here two years and he gets a head coach position, the Steelers get draft compensation. And I, yep. that would be awesome if he didn't stay on full time. Uh, but if we leave this year, Steelers get nothing. They just lose a good coordinator. So I would, I would like to see him return. And you know, time has a way of, uh, you know, healing old wounds and people forget. You know, they're like, hey, we know how talented he is, and you know, that's something that would have to be discussed in the interviews and the meetings. Uh, you know, like, you know who I am, and you know what I will and won't do. So you don't even need to interview me if, if you're ever going to ask for me to tank or throw mm-hmm. games or anything like that. Uh, certain organizations like the Steelers would value that. That would yeah. actually make you more attractive. And if it's one of the other organizations, you don't want to go there anyway. Yeah. Yeah, really, that's true. Uh, I want to get into some of the position of coaches here. Is there any position you look at this year uh, and you look at the talent or you look at the injuries, you look at different situations and you, or you look at development of players on the defense and you say that position kind of stands out from a, like what, what you would expect a position coach to do. Obviously we don't know mm-hmm. what coaches had what impact on what, but is there any uh, positions you saw that you could say, wow, like this player really stepped up or these group of players really, you know, played better this season. 
Well, you know, we all love Dunbar. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he, he just does a great job. Uh, you just see growth from his guys. Um, you know, as long as he has the talent to work with, you know, I was shocked that Loudermilk didn't progress more, but he started out the year with some injury issues and, and then he didn't get a lot of playing time because Leal beat him out. And so this is a big off season for him, but Mm -hmm. usually if you get a guy, you give Dunbar a guy with talent, they're going to improve, uh, consistently during the season, uh, inside linebackers. I just think Osowski didn't have a lot to work with. You know, Mark Robinson is talented, but he's incredibly raw. Robert Spillane is, you know, he's everything you'd want, uh, except he's not that athletic. Yeah. But he's he's he keeps getting better and better and learning how to play through his limitations. But I guess the position, the secondary, I mean, Cam Sutton had a career year, and I understand it was a contract year, but you still have to execute. He looked... Yep. He looked better fundamentally uh, than he's ever looked. Um, then when Wallace first came in, it was an adjustment period because Wallace didn't look real good those first yeah, and few he, weeks. and he was hurt. He was banged yeah, up there. Yeah, he was also too. dealing with injury. And, but, man, by the end of the year, I felt very comfortable with Wallace out there. Uh, yeah. He he was what I thought he would be. You know, very fundamental, very solid, a good tackler. Um, you know, he, he's uh, he's a lot like Sutton that, that neither one of them is incredibly athletic, but they're very intelligent and fundamentally sound. So, um, so I thought that uh, you know Brown did an excellent job with what with you know because Pierre's progressed as well, and mm-hmm. you have to give Austin some credit there too. We you know because Austin's worked with him and all, but Pierre has his own limitations. But you know as long as he can, if they if he stays focused. Uh, Pierre is an excellent tackler. He's maybe the most physical corner they got. Uh, and he is very good in zone. Uh, and, you know, where you take a guy that was undrafted and he gave him some really good minutes. So I think across the board, uh, Brown did a really good job with that secondary. Yeah, I'll agree with you on the secondary. Uh, you're, you said James Pierre. I mean, they had what, Josh Johnson? Yep, played yep, against exactly. Tampa Bay in that game. Yeah. <laughs> the the only game they've won without TJ Watt in like like forever since they let's say since they drafted him. Like they you yeah. know they don't win without TJ Watt playing. That's the one they did win, and they had every secondary player playing. Are you uh, saying Johnson's the missing link? <laughs> <laughs> if, only, if only Keith Butler and, and Dick LeBeau had known all those years. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's how that's you right. beat Tom Brady. You got to play someone he's. Well, maybe you know, maybe it's just just play someone he's never seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know how to beat him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Terrell, Terrell Austin, uh, Grady Brown. You got Mike Tomlin's involved there too. But since 2019, when Terrell Austin came in on board, uh, Grady Brown came in uh, 2021 mm-hmm. after the 2020 season. Uh, this secondary, we've seen a lot of growth. I mean, who was Cameron Sutton in 2018? Yeah, no right. talk. He was nobody. Yeah. 2019, by the end of 2019, you're sitting there saying, wow, that guy had a phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to move up. And they were like, yeah, he's going straight from dime back to our number two corner. Uh, and now we, that's that's what he is. Um, you've got, I mean, James Perry, we mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levi Wallace came in. He played good by the end. Akella Weatherspoon had that short stint. Came in to start 2022 looking like he was going to be really good 
uh, and then then injuries, he was done. He he was he was burnt quite a bit. I don't know the timeline of any injuries like that. I don't know how it works, but he he fell apart. They just kept bouncing back. They had so much time mm-hmm. missed in that secondary, and they kept making it happen. Outside of uh, probably their worst game was the Bills game when uh, Terrell Edmonds was out. That mm-hmm. was uh, that was their worst game. But other than that, they had a really good secondary. Did really good. Well, they didn't have Edmonds and Kazee wasn't back yet. Yeah, and you know they had uh, Norwood Ray in there. Norwood, and and you know so he he just didn't have the speed to to keep up and. Davis yep. burned them twice. So uh, I would like to see that game if they had their full complement. I think it would have been a much different game. Oh, yeah, I, I, com- I compare – you compare that play where Gabe Davis just runs past mm-hmm. – uh, I don't remember who the defensive back was. It might have been Wallace. Uh, runs past the defensive back, and Trey Norwood tries to cut over, and it's just gone. Gabe yeah. Davis is gone. <laughs> and you compare that to when Tyreek Hill – against Miami where Tyree Hill absolutely roasted Levi Wallace and they throw it deep and Terrell Edmonds is there step for step with him. Yep, Hill has to it. come in yeah. a bit and Wall and Edmonds is right there and uh Hill has to try and go through Edmonds to get to the ball. It doesn't happen. Edmonds act it was the great thing was Edmonds actually in on that play turned around and at least looked for the ball. Uh normally he doesn't <laughs> yeah. even try. Yeah. But he did that time. Uh yeah like is that our is that our our defensive coaching star of the season? Are we going to go Grady Brown is the best defensive uh, coach this season? Um, I would have to say so. I mean, they led the NFL in interceptions. Yep. Uh, they got a ton of deflections, even though they don't play tight man. Yeah. Uh, so that the, you know he had them in the right place at the right time. They were fundamentally sound. Uh, I think it was the Miami game that dropped four interceptions. Yep. Uh, you know, legitimate, you know, catchable interceptions, they dropped them. I think Sutton had two that game, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that, that that was something they were fortunate in the second half of the season to not play top-tier quarterbacks. Um, but, again, you still got to execute. You still got to do, you know, the, the early in the season when they played your Josh Allens and your – uh, Jalen Hurts and those guys, they they lit them up pretty bad. But a lot of things changed. It wasn't just the level of the competition. They got Watt back. So, but all in all, I think that, yeah, I would have to say Brown was the defensive uh, coach MVP. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yep. Any any position you feel like you could look at the coaching and say, say you know what, this, this group doesn't look like it was coached very well. Do you have any group like that on the Steelers in the defense? Okay, I'll stay away from the offense. Uh, (laughs) No, defense. No, honestly, I think that they really did a good job, each one, with what they had to work with. You know, again, you got to have the horses, you know, to run in the race. And um, I think that, that, you know, if you look at – I didn't see anybody regress because of coaching. You know, I thought that that Bush even was more serviceable than he had been the year before. Uh, he just has a limited want to, in my opinion. And a coach can only do so much in that situation. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put none of the defensive issues on the coaches there. Yeah. Like, like I, you, you've mentioned Mark Robinson. I think one of the, the cool things is how they were able to get him on the field. 
mm-hmm. the packages they used where they really went that four four set yeah. uh where they went down to one cornerback one cornerback terrell edmonds lined up on the other side as corner as like the other side corner across from cameron sutton uh minka fitzpatrick's you know playing safety and then you've got an, an eight-man front with Mark Robinson in there, which really creates a situation where Mark Robinson can be kind of protected in coverage. It makes it a lot harder to pick out and say, this is how we attack Mark Robinson, you know, and we get him isolated on some. It's really hard to do when you've got that kind of formation going on. Uh, you have a lot of flexibility there. So I I, I applaud him for that. He he was definitely ready to go uh, for, for limited usage uh, and his coverage. Even his coverage, you you look at in college. Yes. I mean, he like he didn't have a clue what he was doing. Mm. Uh, you look early in, in like training in preseason, it's getting a little better. By the time they used him in the season, he was nearly serviceable. He right? was he at did, least in the right area code. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> he's there, and you see, like you'd see. What's funny is you would see moments where it seemed like he was like, oh, I, I need to be here. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like it would click with him and you just, he'd like do that. And then he'd go flying <laughs> somewhere. He'd like jerk around like, oh man. Uh, so I was, I, I like, I like seeing that. I think that's a credit. Uh, you got to give credit for the development of Robert Spillane. Uh, Jerry Olsovsky came around and Robert Spillane turned into, to something, something pretty usable. Uh, yeah. to, where he came from. Like when he came from Tennessee, he was nobody. Mm. He was nobody. That first year he was here, he becomes, uh, uh, someone went down. He came in to fill in for them on special teams. And, uh, the second half of the season had more tackles on special teams than Tyler Matikevich who tied for the season league in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But Spillane had more tackles than him on special teams and the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. So I was like, he showed up here and immediately contributed. And now he's one of your better linebackers. One of your more, I shouldn't say better. One of your more reliable linebackers. That's got to count for a lot. No, uh, you really, my, you, you said better linebackers. If you ask me who's the Steelers best middle linebacker right now or inside linebacker, I would say Robert's playing at the end of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's why he was yeah. playing hundred percent of the snaps and we got to give Vince Williams some credit. Because with Vince Williams, you know, he surprised retirement and caught us all off guard. You know, he said, Robert Splane can take up my position. He could be a starter one day. And I'm like, you know, V-Dub, I love V-Dub, but I'm like, no, man. You know, uh, he, he's not going to be a starter. No, he's not uh, that He dude. just has too many athletic limitations, but V-Dub knew what he was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to see... The Steelers, and do you want to talk about coaching success? If they can somehow put Roberts, uh, Mark Robinson, on that track, and in a couple mm-hmm. of years mm-hmm. have him able to play, because he's got more athleticism than Robert Spillane and Vince Williams. Yes. he could be. I, I'm I'm not going to say great. Like he could be a a, a a more athletic Robert Spillane. If you could get Mark Robinson, man, he'd be something else. You could get him in coverage to be as good as Robert Spillane. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that guy would be dynamic just because of what he brings in the run game. You would have your buck linebacker set and you'd be in good shape there. In, in my opinion, if you watch Robertson and maybe it's where he was a running back, you know, previous, um, he, he really has good short area quickness. 
And, you know, he's maybe a four or six guy, but, you know, he's not slow. You no. know, there's a lot of the, the top linebackers run about that, you know, uh, in middle linebacker right now. Uh, you know, his thing that slows him down is the hesitation because he doesn't recognize what he's seeing right off. Once he gets that, I think he can be better in coverage than V-Dub or Spillane ever has been because yeah. he does have better movement. Uh, and we know that he's so physical and he likes to bring the pain. And especially for a Steelers inside linebacker, you know, he could be the, he could be beloved in the city of Pittsburgh. If oh, yeah. he just, you know, Spillane's still living off that hit he put on Henry against the <laughs> Titans. I mean, right? you know, you don't forget that. And I expect Robertson to have some of them explosive hits, uh, especially more and more as he gets experience. All right. We're going to take our break here, uh, have a little commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk and move on to the offensive coaching staff. Uh, so everyone stay tuned here, for, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. We're here. We're, we, we just finished talking about the uh, defensive coaches. We're going to talk and switch over to the offensive coaching staff. Um, we're we're going to start with some of the position coaches. The big name this offseason, the big name this past season, uh, has got to be Pat Meyer of offensive mm -hmm. coaches. Mm -hmm. uh, the job he did completely, completely rebuilding that offensive line. That great offensive line completely gone. They the the I mean, we saw the the line get steadily worse even last mm -hmm. season. It was just so bad in 2021. <laughs> uh and Pat Meyer comes in, new faces, guys in new positions, no one really lining up against next to someone that they've been lining up too much. Comes in, and by the end of the season, that's a pretty good unit. Uh you got anything to say about Pat Meyer, Shannon? Oh, yeah. Just you, you don't even have to wind me up to get me started about Meyer. Um, when they hired him, uh, I was I thought Adrian Clem listened to him in his interviews. I said, you know, he's got that mentality that I want to see, uh, the physicality and the move bodies off the line. And mm -hmm. I thought that he could bring that mentality back. Uh, but he didn't have the fundamentals and technique down. The guys didn't, he, you know, he was not a good teacher that way. Uh, you know, you have to have that. And yeah. there's different ways to teach it. Some, some guys respond to certain coaches and they don't to others. 
But I wasn't really blown away by Meyer, but you were more than I was. And you talked about his success in the past. And as the season went on, I seen it. And, you know, the combo blocks and the aggressive pass sets. And, you know, there's going to be struggles when you change your concepts like that. And they were reaching and getting off balance to getting, they looked, you know, like uh, uh, the three stooges at times. I guess it'd be five stooges with the offensive line, but they were, you know, just wide open lanes to the quarterback and falling over each other. And I was like, this ain't good in the preseason, but you just started to see it come together. And I knew, I mean, I'd watch Daniel's highlights and uh, some of his gave him, and I'd never seen him struggle like he did early in the preseason. And people's like, oh, this guy might be a bust. I'm like, yeah, we talked about it. I mean, he's too good to be a bust. I mean, this, this guy is really a talented lineman. Boy, you've seen that as the year went on. And him and Cole was a godsend. And Daniel's mere presence elevated a core for uh, It helped him have his best season ever. And But Meyer even got more and, and Dotson, even with their struggles. Late in the season, they were r- run blocking great. Yeah, they were, they got back to it. Oh, yeah. They, they was, I don't know how many times you'd see Harris cut back to the left and get outside. And we're always like, he don't have the speed to do that. Well, he does if you block it and you seal it <laughs> off. And, and Moore and Dotson were doing that. So to me, Myers is an incredible success. He's easily the offensive coach of the year for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very encouraged by that. And I think he'll only do great things if you give him even more talent. I'm going to bring up a guy who's been here a couple. He's been here two years now that I think rivals. Pat Meyer, with the job he has done. Do you have any idea who I'm going to go with here? Uh, um, No, I don't. (laughs) Alfredo Roberts, tight end coach. Well, Uh, yeah. Yeah, you consider, like, to me, uh, look at Zach Gentry, right? First two seasons, (laughs) the guy's out there falling over himself. He played, like, (laughs) he he played a total of 69 snaps his entire first two seasons. Two seasons. 69 yeah. plays. Uh, next two seasons, 1,050. Alfredo Roberts showed up, and all of a sudden, Zach Gentry could block. Right? All of a sudden, Jack, Zach Gentry can do things. Pat Fryermuth came in to the NFL, couldn't block. No. His fresh, his, his first season in the NFL, he was a pretty good blocker. They backed off on his blocking a lot this past season, understandably, with him having some concussions, mm-hmm. uh, with them trying to get him out and move him around more. But – uh we we saw development from uh, Connor Hayward, like every every tight end he's coaching mm-hmm. is doing good. So I, I think Alfredo Roberts is another another kind of like star on the coaching staff here, uh, which which brings me to uh, to something something you have brought up with uh, if you've got your if you've got your team and you're a run heavy team and you want to be a run heavy team, mm-hmm. which they're going to have to. If you if you if Matt Canada is your offensive coordinator, yeah. uh, you're looking to run the ball. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting there saying we want to be you know the the Peyton Manning Colts. If you've mm-hmm. hired uh, Matt Canada as your offensive coordinator, you got Pat Meyer on the offensive line. You've got Alfredo Roberts coaching your tight ends. Shannon, is tight end a position you could see the Steelers adding another playmaker to? We well, have yeah, is my article come out today. Uh, and I make the suggestion about we're looking for best player available as yep. a rebounding team with so many holes. 
you know, we, we all know that, you know, certain offensive line positions, but not all offensive line positions are worthy of the 17th pick. A tackle, yes. You know, some guards, but there's very few center usually don't go that high. Well, then you look at the defensive line. This year, there's a lot of good second to fourth round grades, not a lot of first round grades. None of the inside linebackers is 17th, is being rated that high. Um, Simpson out of Clemson, you know, is, is pretty much looked at as the number one inside linebacker, and he's looking at late first, early second. So, who are you going to start looking at? Cornerbacks, there's three right now. I think the Stewards will take any of the three. But if you look at a lot of the mocks, they're gone by the 17th pick. Mm-hmm. So just thinking outside the box, you know, everybody's like Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison. Well, they're wanting to pattern, I guess, around the Cincinnati Bengals rebuilding strategy. It worked, but that's lightning in a bottle. That's a one-time thing. You're talking about a Heisman Trophy championship quarterback with yep. his number one receiver who was the fifth pick in the draft the next year. You know, that's not Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. Um, there, you know, we look at James Washington and, and, um, Mason Rudolph, or you look at, there's a lot of different guys out there that they tried to pair up the, the quarterback with the wide receiver. And it doesn't always translate to the NFL. I don't want to gamble the Steelers rebuild on when there is maybe better options. So my argument was look at a guy like Michael Meyer, who's probably about the only tight end that was going to be considered anywhere from 15 to 25 in that range. And he is like a bigger version of Pat Fryermuth. He's, they call him baby Gronk. He's, he's a little bigger, a little stronger, probably about the same speed, maybe even faster than Fryermuth. If you have two top level tight ends, you, because we know that Canada's strengths is running uh, coordinating game. Mm -hmm. You put two tight ends that can block, and Meyer can block because right now you got Gentry. Now I love Gentry. I mean, at one time he looked like a drunk baby giraffe out there. <laughs> I mean, he was staggering around. He would just get tipped and he would fall over. You know, tripping over his own feet, man. Yeah, exactly. But but he has really come so far. And like you said, Roberts deserves a lot of credit for that. But so does Gentry because he has built his body. He looks nothing like he did as a rookie. Nothing. Uh, as you said, Firemuth has worked hard, obviously, on his blocking and his strength. And then Hayward just improved through the season. And that is, I think a lot of that's got to go on Roberts. Yeah. Uh, so when I couldn't, I couldn't think of who you might be putting up there near Meyer, but you're right. Roberts did a great job. But all I'm saying is there's a, the Daryl Washington kid out of Georgia who's tall like Gentry, but he's a better athlete and he's much better run after the catch. You know, so uh, you got Kincaid out of Utah. There is guys that can be in the second or third round. But I was throwing out there, best player available. If you could get a generational talent who's the at the top of his position as a prospect, maybe the only guy left at 17 that you could say that about would be Meyer. Yep. Now, 90% of everybody in the community realized what I was saying. You had a few people that were like, well, we don't need a tight end. We got firm youth. But what you got to think about is how many guys have we seen their careers end because of concussions? Mm-hmm. Luke Keekley walked away. Uh, Willis for the 49ers walked away. A lot of guys walk away because they realize the impact and the potential for CTE 
And if they start getting them concussions that easy, they're like, hey, I'm I'm gonna walk away. If you're taking a first round tight end, that's insurance in case Firemuth does go down for an extended period of time, or heaven forbid, has to leave the NFL. Because I think Pickett is the kind of quarterback that connects with a tight end. Yeah. We see that connection with him and Firemuth already. And mm-hmm. as the season went on, they started working the middle of the field more. He was always there for him on third downs. You know, that is a, uh, as I, we always say, a security blanket for a quarterback. And and it just, uh, Pickett is that kind of guy. He's not a guy that's going to do the Mahomes or the Allen or the uh, Herbert stuff, you know, with this uh, superhuman talent. He is a very talented quarterback, yeah. but he needs structure. He needs yep. the right scheme. Well, Canada, even if he gets Addison, is he going to know what to do with him? <laughs> I mean, he, he yeah. really hasn't shown yeah. that. Well, you get, you get so Kenny Pickett like, a big body get, tight end. Yeah, if you give him a tight end, he knows that's part of his run game package, and he can do a lot more with that, and he's shown that in the past. So that was the whole premise of the article. But um, I would like to see, especially if they lose the Gentry, look at – I, it's somebody in those first four rounds because there is yeah. some good tight ends in this class. Uh, and I think in that case, if you're getting, if you're putting, when you draft a player high, if you're drafting a player on, on their potential, stuff like that, even if you're going second, third round with a tight end who has a lot of potential, one of the things you have to think about is who do we have coaching them? Mm-hmm. And right now, yeah, you got a pretty good coach. Mm-hmm. You got, you got a coach who right now is showing, man, he's, he's turning young guys into, NFL players. Con- Connor Hayward's a more dangerous receiver this year and for the Steelers than he was for Michigan State. Yeah. Like the, the plays he was making. Uh fantastic. Fantastic work. Alfredo Roberts, you got to give a lot of credit to that guy. Mm-hmm. And I I I for one would love to see, man, you give Steelers a, the Steelers a two-headed tight end with Connor Hayward still as your third. Well, you know, you you got to around package yeah. Yeah. be a monster. Mm-hmm. Be a month. Like, how do you cover that? How do you deal with that? Go ahead, bring in, bring in defensive backs to try and cover our tight ends in the pass game, and we will run right down your throat. We'll run down your throat all day. Bring in linebackers. Said, good luck. I said something in the article that we've talked about on here with different guests, and it isn't about how many receivers you got or how many of this you got. It's how many weapons you got, mm-hmm. and in the hands of a adequate offensive coordinator. You know, you can utilize them weapons and create these mismatches. And like you was talking about with Hayward, you know, move him around, H-back, put him out in the slot. You can do whatever. And, you know, he come through with some big plays late in the season. I mean, he's got excellent hands. He's tough. Uh, you know, he's a willing blocker. Uh, he's He'll never have the size to be a dominant, but he's great at shielding and turning and setting the edge and crack back blocks, you know, uh, inside and, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, if you have – you can never have too many weapons wh- wherever they are. Yep. Yep. All right. So, moving on, we're going to go to Eddie Faulkner, running backs coach. Uh, I think you have to say he's done a solid job. Obviously, he's had Najee. Uh, I think Najee's been pretty much the same runner. I mean, there's not really much difference there. Jalen Warren, uh, it, it's hard because – these guys kind of hit the ground running as rookies, both of them. Uh, obviously, Najee struggled when his foot wasn't right after the bye week came back and, and looked like he was a 
you know, had had a new spirit to him, had a little bit of had had a little more confidence on cutting and and his play. Uh, any thoughts on Eddie Faulkner? I, I think he's done solid, but I don't think there's too much we can really even judge about him. I really can't judge Faulkner, nor could, as I said last week, I can't judge any of the running backs. Uh, and that goes to the quarterbacks and wide receivers because the offensive line was so bad. Yeah. You know, you didn't really know what they were capable of because as running backs, they just wasn't any holes. There ain't any, they wasn't any rushing lanes until this year. Yeah. And, and Meyer, you know, made such a difference in, in the Daniels and Cole and, and all that. But um, I think that, you know, I, late in the season, I finally thought that Harris looked like a first round running back. You know, I was like, man, is, did they miss on this? You know, because if you take a running back in the first round, he's got to be special. Yeah. Uh, you know, regular thousand pro bowls, all that stuff to justify that. Well, we see the leadership qualities Harris has and the competitiveness and the, just the quality young man. Uh, and he runs so hard to get them 1,200 yards in mm-hmm. 2021. Well, this year he wasn't running the same. And I understand part of it was the still plate in the foot injury. I, I, I see that. But he really changed and turned it around at the bye week. And people say, well, it's the class of competition and different things. But he said during the bye week that he had had a conversation. Now, I don't know which coaches, if it was Tomlin, if it was Faulkner, who it was. But they had approached him about, you know, running and stay, keeping momentum and staying north and south. And you've seen that. The second half of the season, that's what he returned to. And yeah. he even took it to the next level because those last few weeks, he would find congestion at the line and he would high step over it, not slow down not try to hurdle. He would just high step over, keep that momentum. And even if they got a hand on him, tripped him up a little bit, he's getting six, seven yard gains out of it. That was just a mentality uh, that we know he has. I mean, he, he is the toughness and you've seen the talent. Like I said, I didn't think he had the speed to get outside on them cutbacks like he did late in the season. So maybe what I thought was a lack of speed was really a lack of blocking which we knew that was the problem. Um, Faulkner did a great job with Jalen Warren. He looked to me like he was even better than he had been at Oklahoma State, which I had watched him previous. Um, you know, he really come on. And, you know, somebody worked with him because in the preseason and at camp, you know, we'd read the camp notes each yep. day. And they're saying, Warner put the Warren put the ball on the ground again. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... Especially as a rookie, if you do that, you ain't playing. Yeah, not playing with Tom. You you aren't playing for Mike Tomlin if you're fumbling. Nope. And I was like, that's not good. And I figured he, he ain't gonna make it to the preseason games. And then he had to, you know, he made it. You could see his talent, but then he fumbled in the preseason. Boy, you if you, I haven't looked it up, but I I was dare to bet that if you take total fumbles between Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and anybody else there that played. Benny Snell and McFarland, the Steelers had less fumbles from their running backs than any team in the league. I'd be willing to bet that. So you, well, you, you had give, you got to give uh, him credit for that. Yeah, you had a total of four. Yeah, Najee had three, and Jalen Warren had one, and Najee had about three times the carries of Jalen Warren. So they they both fumbled something like one point one percent of the time, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so not bad. 
that's important for a team that you know ball security was so crucial because oh, yeah. you know you know any self-inflicted wounds they just couldn't overcome it absolutely yeah fumbles lost uh Steelers had the fifth fewest yeah last yeah. season and and as most teams they were led by their quarterback uh strip sacks are the leading cause of some fumbles in the NFL yeah uh so but so, how yeah, many Kenny did Pickett, Pickett have, have did it say what how many did Pickett have I only remember like two times he put the he ball had four in huh he had four Okay, maybe he lost two or something. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah, but it, not many. That's, that's not bad that's for not, baby hands. That's <laughs> that's, less, that's less than Ben Roethlisberger used to have. That's ben Roethlisberger right. always had him, but that's not, he was always like, yeah, he, he was doing, this, yeah, yeah. doing stuff. He was he's trying to extend plays. He would fumble decent amount. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on the quarterback coaches? They have two quarterback coaches. I want to bring this up. Two quarterback coaches listed: Mike Sullivan, quarterback yeah. coach. And then David Corley, assistant quarterback coach. This is an interesting one. He played at William and Mary for Tomlin's old coach hmm. at William and Mary, where they were they were known to be the the reason people went there. One of the things uh, that coach was known for was developing quarterbacks. Hmm. Uh, Tomlin's old coach developed quarterbacks well. This guy went there, played quarterback, and then started coaching right after he graduated college mm-hmm. he started going into coaching uh he was brought in i think this season to be the steelers assistant quarterback coach he's been out of a call he was like it was uh early 2000s he was there so he's been into coaching about you know 16 years something like that mm-hmm. and uh this is his first nfl job was here as an assistant quarterbacks coach uh clearly as a connection for, at william and mary with tomlin and mm-hmm. tomlin's old coach uh, but I, I wanted to bring that up. That's an interesting one is he's kind of the Steelers gave that guy a shot to kind of get his career started as a quarterback coach. But, uh, Mike Sullivan quarterback coach, you have, do we, do we have any grounds to judge him? Like what, what, what do we, what do we, what do we say about Mike Sullivan here? I think Sullivan's done a good job. Um, you know, when right in the middle of the season, you know, just frustrated with everything with offense. So just started looking at some of the coaches. And uh, I remember Corley, I'm like, who's that? You know, I, yeah. hadn't even, I hadn't even heard of him. And I'm like, he's young. You know, he, he's pretty young compared to yep. the rest of the Steelers positional coaches. And sometimes that's good to have with a young quarterback. You know, have that, you know, more of a relationship um, mm-hmm. uh, and a connection that way, whereas you're your older coach is kind of like a mentor father figure type a lot of times. And, you know, Tomlin's not an expert as a quarterback coach. He's never had to be, you know, he inherited Roethlisberger. So I think he really leaned on Sullivan and I think Sullivan did a really good job. If you watch, I watch a lot of times, like when they, you know, Pickett was just throwing interceptions left and right early in the season. And he would come over to the sideline and, you know, Tomlin didn't stop him coming off the field and chew him out or, you know, uh, he just kind of let him go back there and talk with Sullivan and, and Corley. And, and they, uh, uh, I, I mean, I assume Corley was there. I don't know. He might've been in the box, but, but you'd see him talking with Sullivan and Sullivan was that guy that could, would communicate between Canada and Pickett. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that it's that relationship. That's an important relationship. And, 
you've seen that the way they handled it, it helped Pickett keep his confidence because those passes were being complete in college. You know, but it's just they're just that much better in the NFL, the defensive backs. Um, you think about his two first two interceptions. It hit Claypool in the hands, but as Claypool was trying to bring it in, the, the guy reached up and tipped it up in the air, and it got intercepted by the safety. Then the next one, he's trying to throw it to where either Fryermuth's going to catch it or it's going to go out of bounds. Well, Fryermuth got up high and got his hands on it right when he was getting hit, so the ball just kind of bounced up in there and it got intercepted. Kind of bad luck, you know. Yeah. But it just seemed like that he did, that just kept happening. And um, but they stayed consistent with him, and they let him keep his confidence, and then they paid off it later in the year. So. I think Sullivan is is done an excellent job, and so to me that says that Corley's done a good job behind the scenes. And I think I think you have to look at uh, the development of Kenny Pickett in the second half after the bye week, really taking care of the football, really being smart, showing like uh, taking it taking it back, being more conservative, and then building off of that as, as you get towards the end of the season where he added in a few more downfield throws, got a little more out of him. I think you saw a lot of growth from Kenny Pickett. Uh, as, as someone has uh, pointed out in the live chat, obviously it's the players, right? First and foremost, it's the players. If they don't put in work, if they don't have talent, it doesn't matter. They're not improving. Uh, but when those players look to improve, when those players look at a thing and say, I need to get better at whatever. Mm-hmm. Who do they go to? Yeah. They like they don't they don't go to themselves and look in the mirror and say, hey, mm-hmm. Kenny, how do we improve our footwork? How do we, you know, how do we how do we do better at being more consistent on our throws? How do I how do I keep passes from sailing on? They coaches are that's what coaches are there for. Yeah. Quarterback coaches are one thing quarterback coaches do is they sit there and watch film of your delivery and they watch your bad throws and sit there and watch your throws and say, okay. What about this throw is different? What's causing this ball to sit? And they come and they tell the quarterback and they work on it. These are the kind of things these guys do is they help these players get better. So when you have a Kenny Pickett who is developing like he did, clearly he's got somebody. He's got somebody that's doing a good job uh, of being there and supporting him and helping him. Uh, so we're well, something, you, in- something you brought up earlier, when's the last time you heard your quarterback go to your defensive coordinator and say, "Hey, you know what are they trying to do to me here? What am I, yeah? What are y'all looking for? You know when you're trying to cause this mass confusion? I mean that is just shows a level of maturity that you know we talk about all these other things that they could grade and measure at the combine, but that level of commitment uh, and maturity is is something that is invaluable. And that'll set up a, a part of a guy who's going to be, you know, a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr from being that next level. Yeah, i i want to I want to get into this. Someone just comment. We're 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 ready to transition and start talking. We're talking about Kenny Pickett. We're ready to talk about Matt Canada. Before we <laughs> when we when we're getting into this, I, I want to start with this because this has made a big headlines around. Uh, it's been all over. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger's podcast where he had Pat Fryermuth on. Mm-hmm. And Pat Fryermuth said, one of the comments he made was, uh, I'm trying to remember, Ben Roethlisberger asks him, what's different? 
right? And he's kind of joking around. Ben's, Ben's kind of like ribbing him. He's been giving Pat Fryermuth a hard time here for quite a little bit of the show, right? Talk And uh, he, he asked him kind of almost jokingly, like, what's the difference between uh, like playing with for Kenny Pickett and playing for me? Like basically, you know, like like messing with him. Mm-hmm. And what Pat does, he's like, no, I was actually telling Kenny, like one of the biggest differences is we don't have checks. Mm-hmm. We don't have hots. We don't have these calls that he's making after he goes up to the line. And he's like, with you, it was all the time. Yeah. It was all the time. Ben had all kinds of checks where he's changing things at the line. You line up and Ben's like, boom, boom. He saw like there's the, there was the face mask mm-hmm. tug. There's like a look. There's like a... Thing. There's all these different things Ben mm-hmm. had that if he did, it was changing the play. And he's like, we didn't have that with Kenny. That made the rounds. People are like, holy crap. Matt Canada's offense doesn't have hot reads. Like, any offense has hot reads. What's up with this guy? How dumb is he? The thing, I watched the whole podcast because I wanted to make sure, like, I understood what was being said there. Immediately after... Pat Fryermuth says that Ben Roethlisberger's comment is Kenny will get there, right? He's yeah, going to learn yeah. that. And Pat Fryermuth was like, yeah, oh yeah, Kenny's going to get there. And then they move on mm-hmm. from that. One of the other things, and, and then very shortly thereafter, Pat Fryermuth mentions how Kenny Pickett became more confident and more effective in the two-minute drill as the season went on. Mm-hmm. And how really like early in the season, he'd go up there, you could tell he wasn't mm-hmm. really comfortable running the offense, doing this stuff when it was more on him, right? And he said by the end of the season, he was getting there. And I I think we're seeing a quarterback who was thrust in, Mm -hmm. wasn't really ready, wasn't really confident with it. We know we've heard him talking about uh, Canada's, you know, going to him and asking him what he's comfortable with, them having conversations about what to add, what to focus on. I think you're seeing a quarterback who had train who really had training wheels on all season. And I know people say he's more, you know, NFL ready, mm-hmm. but but a lot of that he he didn't have checks. And if people are, and people want to say that's on Matt Canada, okay. May, you know, you could say Matt Canada's got to get him ready. You've got to change how you approach developing the quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett has to be able to audible out of a play mm-hmm. or or have a hot, hot route. By the before you start him in an NFL game, like I understand that if you if you want to blame coaches for that, I understand, uh, but I don't think this is a case where it's Matt Canada's offense just doesn't have this stuff. They had it the year before. Pat Firemuth had him the year before, <clears throat> like he didn't this year. Both both are both are Matt Canada. I think a lot of it, uh, you know, from all we've watched, you know, some of that has to go on Tomlin. You know, Tomlin didn't want a rookie quarterback start. And even though I think Pickett beat him out, played better than Trubisky in the preseason, uh, he never got really any reps with that first team. Yeah. So his first reps with Claypool, Firemuth, Johnson, Harris, all these guys was in the first game he played in against the Jets in week four. Yeah, like really had very little. Yeah, so Canada – you know, that was Tomlin's decision who was going to be the starting quarterback. Yep. Uh, the fact that they didn't give uh, – Rudolph got more reps with the, the ones than Pickett did. So that tells you that the plan was not to start Pickett until maybe deep into the season, you know, we talked about after the bye. Um, 
So some of that's on Tomlin. But Pickett, it's hard to give, you know, you can't expect Pickett to be Ben. Uh, you know, an 18-year veteran versus a rookie who didn't even get reps with the first team uh, starters during, the, you know, the preseason. Um, I, I think that looking back, you know, hindsight, uh, I wish that they might have been a little bit more aggressive and say, okay, it's a true quarterback competition. I think Pickett won it. I think he could have started because uh, Trubisky, with his experience, would have been a good backup. Instead, yeah. you start – Trubisky and your backup, you're bringing in as a rookie, you know, with no reps with the first team and didn't have any audibles or hot reads and stuff. Um, so it doesn't shock me that the offense struggled like it did. Um, my whole thing with Canada is his play design as much as his play calling, you know, not scheming guys open, having multiple guys in the same area where it makes them easier to cover. It makes any throw to either one of the receivers dangerous because you got both them defenders there. Uh, you know, he he doesn't do a good job of spreading the field. They roll out to the right, and he'll have one option sometimes to throw it or, or run for, you know, try not to get sacked and run for a yard or two. There, there needs to be more creativity. Um, we see how good he is as a run game coordinator. Uh, the Steelers obviously want him back, so they believe that, Canada has ability to work with uh, Pickett. Pickett spoke highly of him, yep. you know, after the season. And I think he's comfortable with him. And the Steelers want to give him another year of that and see what kind of growth they can have. And maybe, you know, with having more faith in Pickett going into this second year, we'll see a little bit more of a modern NFL passing attack. That's what we got to hope for. Uh, because I, I believe that Ben's success – was when he did those hot reads and all, he checked out of Canada's calls, and that's why the Steelers had the success they did have. Because the offense looked incredibly similar with Trubisky and Pickett this year at the beginning, even though they have mobility and they had a better offensive line and everything else, the offense still looked the same. So that tells me that's Canada's offense. Uh, and, you know, he was needing those players that they brought in Uh the, to give him the things that supposedly he was missing, it took them, you know, good part of the season before they hit their stride. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still holding that hope. I I don't have a lot of faith. Uh, I think Canada puts a ceiling on what they'll be able to accomplish as a passing offense next year. I think there'll be improvement, but I do think he's he sets a ceiling that until they bring in a passing game coordinator, they're not going to get passed. Okay. I is it, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I do. Matt Canada's passing game is is not why he's here. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, he is here. Same reason Pat Meyer came in. They they the Steelers had an idea that they wanted to change how they run the ball. They wanted to come in and be able to run the ball with their next quarterback and not do what they did with Ben. You the offense the last couple of years with Ben. Even going back, you go back to 2017, 2018. And you look at what Ben Roethlisberger did on how many times he threw the ball. You can't ask, you can't go to a rookie quarterback and be like, "Hey, buddy, throw the ball six hundred times this season," and yeah. expect to have any kind of success. That's that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Steelers really sat and said, "Hey, we want this different run game." If you look at the NFL, uh, most of the teams that were in the final eight teams run outside zone stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. They had something like three of the three of the teams had. Uh, 
two of the two of the conference championship games teams had right, wide receivers run the ball in those games. Yeah, like that's that's NFL. That's that's there. Uh, Kansas City does it. San Francisco does it. Uh, the Eagles have done it. They didn't do it in, that, in their championship game. But you see these guys that they do these kind of offenses. They run this stuff. If you can't if you can't run the ball like outside zone, you you don't you're not going to run the ball that much in the NFL anymore. So I think they knew they needed to change that. That was one thing they wanted. Matt Canada gives them the ability to do that. That's his focus. That's why he's here. Uh, he's not here for his passing game. But I think <laughs> another big part of that was the amount of youth. Mm-hmm. The amount of first – if you take out the first and second-year players from this offense, the, the the main players on this offense, you're you're left with who? Like, who? Do you, you have Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Really, that's it. That's the only real player they really had. It was him and Chase Claypool to start. Uh, Friar Muth Harris, their second year. Jalen Warren, George Pickens, rookies. Kenny Pickett, a rookie. Connor Hayward's a rookie. Like, you have a lot of really young players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they simplified it all, and and to tell you the truth, I if you're gonna blame one thing for this offense turning out like it did, I, I think you have to go back in my mind to Mitch Trubisky, just really not working out. Mm-hmm. That did not work. They signed him in to come in here and be the quarterback for the first season of Kenny Pickett. They brought him in here to start, mm-hmm. and that did not work. It did not work out. It's bad enough when you have a rookie quarterback uh, and you're only getting one touchdown a game. It's worse when you've signed a veteran and you're paying him starter money. You're paying him to be that starter. You've promised him that job and your team's getting one touchdown a game. That's not acceptable. That's bad. And that offense under him, like you look at the drive stats, you look at the numbers, it was bad. It, if you was look at, but good. if you listen to PFF, he was the highest rated stiller player on offense. Yeah. And and people, you know, like, oh, he was great. He just got a, you know, didn't get a fair shake. I think that that Tomlin handcuffed him and just kept pounding in his head, ball security, ball security, ball security. Because he would have a game every once in a while against the Bears when he played for the Bears that he would just light it up, you know, and have three or four hundred yards and three or four touchdowns. And then he would have the three or four interception game too. Yep. But because he was wildly inconsistent. Well, we all hoped that that would change with the experience. But when they handcuffed him, the offense was anemic. When you yeah. let him, when you turn him loose, when he come in against the Buccaneers, he looked really, really good. When he played against the Ravens and he come in that game, he's moving the ball. He's making some great passes, but then he inexplicably throws it to them three times. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Yeah, and I hope that he would, you know, that he had matured. But I think that's just who he's going to be. So even if he sticks around as a backup, he has to, you know, risk assessment, and yeah. he has to because those against the Ravens, they were in the red zone. Oh, and, was and it was just killer. It was killer. Yeah. Killed him that game. You so, you take if you take any single one of those interceptions away, yeah, and the Steelers win that game. Like you, you do like, like, like you want to talk about a game. Like that's that to me, that game was actually worse. I mean, if you re- remove the fact that Neil O'Donnell played in the Super Bowl, it was worse. That was like, that was <laughs> more inexplicably bad than Neil O'Donnell's Super Bowl. To me, it's just one was in a Super Bowl and one was in a division game. Like it's a very different yeah. thing. Uh, 
but that was just oh that was bad all right um anyone else we are left do we cover the wide receiver coach frisman jackson no um I think he is what's left. He's the last one. Now, this one is rough to call because <laughs> you have a you have a very simplified passing game from a not good pass game offensive coordinator with a rookie quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Uh what what how do you view Frisman Jackson? Because this was first year, right? This is his first year on the job or second? I thought it was his second, but it might be his first. I mean, I'll check that. Go ahead. You yeah. talk about him. I'll, I'm going to check. One of the things that frustrate me, uh, coaches, you know, you got to coach the fundamentals. And I just see the Steelers receivers, the uh, George Pickens' hand placement on low throws across the middle. He wasn't doing it like everybody else. I mean, he was catching some of them, but he also dropped some you know, earlier in the year because of his hand placement, you know, being top hand uh, heavy. Then you have uh, half-hearted efforts on some routes. They know they ain't the primary receiver. Uh, not working across the field to give your quarterback uh, another throwing option when he gets outside the pocket. Uh, Claypool was the world's worst and just standing next to the defensive back. Uh, you know, I think he kind of did a little better this year on that where he kept moving. But, uh, you know, of course, Deontay Johnson running backwards, uh, running out of bounds before contact. Um, you know, you catch that many passes and get that many targets. You're telling me you couldn't have slipped one tackle and took it the distance? But, no, he couldn't because, I mean, you'd watch it. I mean, he there was times he caught the ball, run backwards, got back to where he originally caught the ball and went straight out of bounds. Yeah. On those, you know, everybody's like, well, it's, he was catching him comebacks, and there wasn't any opportunity for run after the catch. There's always opportunity for run after the catch. You might have to break a tackle sometime. You know, you might have to take a little contact. Yep. So there's things that I've seen the wide receivers do that makes me question, um, you know, what is being taught. You know, so if, if any of the offensive positional coaches, I'm not talking about Canada, but any of the positional coaches, he would be the one I would have the most questions about. Yeah, I just look at he he was this is his only season. Okay. He was signed uh February 8th, 2022. So he's been there one week short of a year. Uh not not the best first year to have. <laughs> I was looking up I I I'm gonna go back to it, man. That that ESPN analysis on uh on the advanced stats, I I love it. Uh, where where they rated every player on on getting open, on catching the ball and run after the catch. None of the Steelers rank well and run after the catch. But George Pickens was the highest rated, tied for the highest rated for catching with a 99. And Deontay Johnson was number one in getting open uh, with a 99. Talk about a, a very different room. You've got George Pickens <laughs> yeah. who's never open but catches everything. you got Deontay Johnson who's always open and does not. Uh, that's actually something I'm, I'm currently working on is, uh, breaking down the advanced stats. I did this last year for Deontay Johnson, uh, after he made the pro bowl. And I was like, I can't believe he made the pro bowl. Uh, then, then this year, you know, the show basically is the same player he was last season. Uh, just, just didn't score touchdowns really. And, uh, I, I, 
man, I have a hard time judging anything from the wide receivers. I, I we still I still don't know who Deontay Johnson is. We yeah. still don't know if this guy like what kind of receiver he is. We know he gets open, but man, it, it's it's time to do a little more than you know six yards a target. If you're mm-hmm. always open, you should be doing a little better than that. Uh, I don't know. I want to see. I think this is one of those seasons. If he that that you really should see growth from these wide receivers, and you really should see growth from the quarterback, and we really should see a, a much better scheme, a much more from the passing game than we saw this year. If we come out next year and and Matt Canada has better success in the passing game, we can say okay, okay, yeah, maybe you maybe you overreacted and oversimplified, uh, you know, for the first year quarterback, maybe you screwed things up, and and now you're showing you can actually do the job at a competent level. I don't expect we're going to see him doing this and think, wow, that's a top, you know, that's Andy Reid out there. That's mm-hmm. that's not going to be the case. But you know, I, I this is a big chance. For this offensive coaching staff to say, hey, you know, Kenny Pickett's going to be better. George Pickens is going to learn how to run routes. Deontay Johnson, you know, maybe, maybe improve. It'd be nice. Uh, but, man, that's that's the big question mark going into next season. Because if the run game is the same, it's going to be all in the passing game for this offense to improve. To me, if you look at uh, one guy on offense and one guy on defense, that I question their want to. It's Deontay Johnson on offense and Devin Bush on defense. I did not see that want to, uh, to compete. You know, I mean, uh, I actually was surprised watching other teams when their receiver would get over near the sidelines and then he would explode into the corner and try to break through, you know, for a long game. We've seen Pat Fairmuth do it. We've seen, uh, you know, Harris do it. We've, you know, but our receivers, Pickens never got the chance because everything was a contested jump ball in same yeah. way. But you know, he has that fight in him. Mm-hmm. But Dante Johnson never. The only time I think he wanted to score a touchdown that last game so bad when he caught that ball and he kind of fought and drugged the guy a couple yards and went down at the one yard line. You could kind of tell he really was trying to get in. The end zone. But I know he's not big. I mean, he's a smaller receiver. Yeah. But still, with explosiveness and that quickness he has, if you can surprise the guy sometimes and they'll miss a tackle, it happens. I don't remember him making anybody miss I mean, as far as breaking a tackle. Yeah. And and uh, the guy's too talented to, to, for me to say that. But I just don't remember it all season. So, um, you know, they got to find that want to. Hopefully Bush finds the want to somewhere else and Johnson will come into the camp and have his want to. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. I, I I still, I always think back to the days where Antonio Brown uh, was here and they would talk and uh, our wide receiver coach, man, I just lost his name. Uh, the really old guy from Alabama would, would always say, we're going to take him in there. We're going to drill him. And we're going to work on We're going to work out the drops. Was it man? Yeah, Richard Mann. Yeah, Richard Mann. And they, it would happen. A couple years by, players not dropping passes like they used to. We're not, we're still seeing problems here. Deontay Johnson to this day, you see a ball. If he's running, you know, (laughs) 
If he's running one way and the ball is thrown a little bit behind his head, like head level, a little yeah. bit behind it, he's not catching that. Yeah. He's just it was that way in college. That was a weakness he had in college. That's a weakness he has 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. He's had four years in the NFL. Yeah. Still drops those same passes. Like you set him up. Do that. Boom. Throw, you know, launch him 80 miles an hour in his head. Teach yeah. him to catch that. Just, you know, like that's what jugs machines are for. And I don't, I, I don't get that. That just doesn't, it doesn't happen. I think he's, I think he's gotten better. I think he's afraid of contact. I mean, when have you ever seen him get blown up? Yeah. I mean, I've seen him catch the ball, get up near a first down and go down before he took a big lick where he could have maybe fought for that extra yard and got the first down. I, I think that he, it's self-preservation. And, yeah. and, you know, and there's one reason he's been successful at a hundred and whatever he is, 75 pounds. He is not big, but sometimes you have to give that extra effort. Yep. All right. I'm going to stop there. Our, our, our coaches, our coaches of the year on offense, it's Pat Meyer. On defense, it's Grady Brown in the secondary. Offensive line and secondary, both of them had a lot of challenges yeah. uh, and, and both played really good down the stretch uh, and stood out. Uh, those two are our coaches of the year this year. And uh, I, I think, are you, are you, I'm going to say, are you more confident with the defensive coaching staff or the offensive coaching staff as it is currently constructed? Well, because of, Matt Canada, I could easily say I'm more confident with the defensive coaches. Yeah, as, if it, when it's Matt Can as long as Brian Flores is on the defense, Matt Canada yes. is still on the offense. I think I think most people are going to say uh, defensive coaching they're more yeah. they're more comfortable with and more confident with. All right, and you got anything coming up, Shannon, that you want to tell everyone about? No, uh, like I said, I've just been uh, the this last article was uh, uh, you know, like I said, trying to offer a discussion topic and, and, you know, to kind of get us into the off season mode and what to look for in the draft. So uh, we had a great discussion thread and, and really good response. And I really do appreciate that, but I haven't started working on my next article yet. So um, I was looking forward to this and uh, it was, I think it was an excellent show and I really had a good time. All right. I got uh Vertex coming out. This this where Dave Schofield and I are going through uh the Steelers free agents. This one's about Terrell Edmonds, so look for that. That should be coming out tomorrow. Uh and then I'm working on it. I don't know exactly how soon it's gonna come out, but I'm working on uh wide receivers, some advanced stats, looks at the wide receivers, and really trying to to break them down and understand them better, looking at the numbers and where they where they excel and where they don't. Uh, so that's, that's something that's a project I'm working on, uh, that I'm excited to see some of the stuff about, especially with George Pickens. I always love looking at these, uh, the, the, some of these numbers and, and getting, and looking at, looking at where they fall and, and trying to dig more out of the numbers than just what's on the surface. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It's, it's gotta be sometime this weekend, or I'm gonna have to come up with an extra article to write if I don't get it done. Uh, so, so look for that. Um. But that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone in the live chat. Uh, love, love reading your comments. And uh, 
Thank you, Shannon, for coming out with us, even though you weren't feeling the best today. Uh, it was a good time. We had a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers.